You have reached a phone call from Paul, a literary hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Part 2 of Paul Holden Graber's conversation with Elif Batuman. Very interesting. It's, I mean, it's so interesting to me uh, because, because here, in a sense, you, you, you answered the question about, about homeland and, and, and parents and your trip to, to Turkey as, as a way of finding, of maybe finding some roots, but, but not, not quite. Yeah, what I found was that also was a rude awakening, which came a little bit earlier, which is that when I was growing up, I felt I felt foreign because I, you know, I was going to school in New Jersey where I even, I looked a little bit different than the other kids and my name was definitely different and had to be explained to everyone. And I was just, you know, different in various ways and I, I felt a little bit foreign and I had it in my head that, oh, the reason that I'm foreign is because I'm partly Turkish. And the, you know, the way that you even the, the, you say that, that people say, like, oh, what are you? And you say, well, I'm, I'm Turkish, I'm Turkish-American. So that I thought that when I would go to Turkey, I would feel more at home. But instead, of course, I felt much less at home because it's a place where I almost never was. And just the fact that I had a name that sounded very, like, you know, indigenous to people didn't do anything to mitigate the feeling of, you know, if anything, it, it, it exacerbated the feeling of alienation because, like, now, you know, I, I speak Turkish with a slight accent, and I, I go to Starbucks sometimes, and they ask for my name, and they're expecting a foreign name, and then I'm like, you know, Elif, and <laughs> you know, they think I'm, they're surprised, so, you know, having a, having a Turkish name is a liability both in America and for me in Turkey. And the, and the question of accent, I mean, who am I to talk about it, right? But that, the, question, <laughs> the, the question of accent is so, so amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm asked this question, as you can imagine, so often, you know, where is my accent from? And I always... I love you, the clip of you talking to Werner Herzog. <laughs> I, I know. What, what do you make of that? I mean, you know, who, who, can you understand either of us? <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, you know, it's to the content. I, I mean, it really, it really, you know, Vanna and I, people, people sort of think, my goodness, you know, who sounds more like the other? But you know, um, um, what, what? I mean, you know, I have a, a standard answer the way you you had one for the possessed. When people ask me where this accent is from, I, I simply say to them, it's affected. But um, you know, but but the question of the possessed, your your incredible. Um, what what can one call it? I mean, it it's it's a possessed journey through um, a, 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 a the the a, the obsessed landscape of Russian literature for you, and it's you know it's a book that I I I, I cherish and adore, and in 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 a sense, to to my mind, it's it's a, a call for freedom. I mean, this doesn't belong to anybody in particular. It it belongs to wh- whoever discovers it. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for saying that. But but I- I- isn't that the case? I mean, we, you know, the the notion of home, which of course has something to do with where you're born and where your parents are from and all of that. But it also, I mean, there's an old Jewish saying that says that the only people you really choose, which is, of course, completely paradoxical and maybe totally invented on my part, but, it's, <laughs> but it says that the only people you choose are your parents. 
I mean, of course, it makes no sense, but but, but 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 I understand it in some in some mysterious way. Right. Is that we 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 elect people, and and of course, our parents then become our real parents, then become the subject of 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 such controversy and so much rumination and so much analysis and so much, you know, we we you know both both as parents and as being parents, one one begins to think, you know. What effect does one have? What effect did they have on us? Um, why did I, Elif, choose Russian literature? What? What? I mean, how? How did that come about? Yeah. How did it come about? How did it come about? Yeah. Um. I mean, what? What? I mean, for me, um, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a lot of time to, to answer that question. But for me, when I had meningitis yeah. and my father diagnosed it was in seconds because he was a his only regret in life is that he never managed to study medicine fully in Vienna because he was born in 1918 and the war broke out, as you know, in 1939. And, and of course, he fled just in time to spend the war years in Haiti. Um, but he had on his fingertips the ability to diagnose um, and to really know. And he knew that his son, age 16, had meningitis. And what did he give me? Because meningitis can make you go bananas. I mean, some people might say that meningitis had that effect on me. Well, one, one thing he gave me, and you spend a lot of time in the dark slowly coming to light, what he gave to me was the idiot. So I think, I think in a rare moment of extreme humor, he gave me the idiot to read. And that changed the course of my life, of course. I mean, of course, not of course, but somehow reading Dostoevsky in those years meant everything. Yeah. I'm actually, my, uh, the novel I'm working on now is called The Idiot. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a semi-autobiographical novel that I decided to call The Idiot. How how fascinating! Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping I don't run into copyright problems. But. Oh well, you know, you you can always if if you do, you can you can use uh, Groucho Marx's line when he was attacked for a movie called Casablanca, and Warner Brothers called up and he said, "You know, we were brothers before you were." Yeah, I was an idiot first. Yeah, <laughs> there, you are. there you have it. You, you and Prince Muchkine were were there together. But uh, is it an interesting question to to wonder how the possessed came about? I mean, how how this one of the things they you know they um they uh, I mean I'm getting regressive as I as I talk about it. But, but uh, one of the things that the publisher wanted was an introduction that explains um, why Russian. And then, so I, I, I wrote that introduction, and then that turned out to then be something that had to be explained um, with this why. why the, I, I remember going to an interview um, in Australia, and, and before they said, oh, you know, are there any questions, that, are there any subjects that you particularly want to talk about or particularly don't want to talk about? And I remember saying, oh, you know, the, the one question I, I would rather not answer is why the Russians? And the interviewer um, actually started to cry. She said, I, I don't see how we can go forward with this interview without the question, why the Russians? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we can go forward uh, perfectly well without ever knowing why, why the Russians. So let's... let's... Why? I, I mean, oh. I do have an answer. It was, for me, it was Anna Karenina, and I read it not when I was physically sick, but um, over the summer I was 
sort of housebound in Ankara, and it was my mother's old copy, and it was it was the right thing at the right time. I also had a violin teacher who was Russian, who I thought was just very, um, I don't know, that was just one of the most, <sighs> I've been thinking a lot about that, actually, because school, I mean, I liked school, but I don't know that I learned that much. I feel like from those violin lessons, I learned a lot about, actually about writing and about making things and about performance. And that came through this mediation of Russianness. And then when I went to college, um, I thought I was going to major in linguistics, and I had to learn a, another language, and I signed up for Russian, and then I, I just ended up doing that. You know, um, one comment that, that matters to me greatly there, and, and we won't speak more about it um, for all the reasons you mentioned earlier and because my, my question isn't a good one. Um, but the right well, thing... It's just a, it's a difficult one. Yeah, and, 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 and who cares? I mean, I, everybody cares, but, but that's not really what, what, what matters most. You, you happened upon it, but what does matter... Or at least, Elif, what matters to me so much, we spoke about that a tiny little bit when we met, but, but only in passing, is, is the right thing at the right time. Yeah, totally. It can't be, over, can't be overestimated. Say, say more. Just, just the, way you, the way you said totally says, says so much, and I, I want to get out of the way of, of what you're thinking. I mean, I don't, it's, it's, a, it's a huge mystery, right? I, I mean, taste in general is a huge, why does one thing move someone so much? And you can be so moved by something, and then someone can tell you all the reasons that it's not so great, and you can see them all and understand them. It's, it's a problem that I'm having with, with criticism a lot. And then there's a whole other dimension, which is the time that something reaches you is, I mean, I think we've all had the experience of the, the right thing comes to you at the wrong time and it means nothing to you and then it comes to you later and it means everything and you can't even understand what it was that you didn't see before. And I don't know how. It's, sometimes it feels like, you know, a miracle that we ever find that anything ever gets through to us at all <laughs> when you think and, of all the things that have to line up. And, you know, it, it strikes me as, as you talk about this that you're talking as much about books as you're talking about people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you can just completely miss the boat with a person or a work of any kind of art. It's like there's a there's a narrative that I guess is going on in your head and when it intersects with other narratives, whether those are someone else's life or a book or a movie or, you know, even a picture or I don't know what, a funny YouTube clip, it has to there has to be some place for it to stick in the, in the story that you're telling yourself or else it just doesn't it's like as my my old professor would say it's like a christmas ornament without a tree there's nowhere to put it oh beautiful but you know it it, it also for me it has to do with with sometimes simply a word one word can strike you that's true. You, you know, one word that someone says, or uh, obviously in my case, since I, I, I suffer terribly from a disease called quotomania, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it can be a quotation which just, just 
doesn't manage to leave you or you don't manage to to leave it but you know one thing that that i'm just well i'm i'm fascinated by it now that i'm getting older but i was fascinated by it even when i was younger though you might add that i was also at that point getting older which is the, the notion the, the relationship between taste and aging or aging and taste yeah definitely and what and what we remain faithful to and why and why certain books um you know i i imagine in your case rereading anna karenina would never be would probably always be i don't know if it always would be a pleasure but it would always be something you would wish to do yeah i have read it a few times and it it hasn't it hasn't let me down yet and it it has the you know the characters who you identify with change as you get older and you see different things and you understand things differently and that's that's one of the pleasures although it's you know it also kind of reminds me of that passion to talk on the telephone to your school friend which i actually remember actually my my closest friend from ages you know 6 to 12 I still know her, and she's actually a writer. She's a novelist. Her name is Dara Horn, and I still see her, and it's it's wonderful to see her. But but I remember that that like passion to talk to Dara, and we could just sit on the phone for four hours and want to talk and talk and talk. And I, you know, you don't feel that anymore as as an adult. And there's something about that first captivation with certain books that I don't know if I I don't know if if it if it comes back in adulthood or what exactly happens to it. I, I feel like I still get little glimpses of it, but I don't know how much that has to do with technology or just getting older. Uh, are there no, no primordial experiences for you now? By, by that I mean something that you feel possessed by, something that takes you... That sort of. I do definitely have that reading experience, which is a wonderful thing that'll last, you know, a few days or a week, or depending on how long the book is. Where it's like I can't wait to get home and read this, whatever it is. I can't wait for the next installment. But then they, they don't tend to stay with me, or you know, change my reality the way that that things do when when I was younger. Which I guess is good because, I mean, who could survive like that? True. Um... You know, I, I often, I, I told you earlier on that I, I, I suffer from this disease, but there there is a line in Kierkegaard which I adore. Maybe it came from the meningitis. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Let me just lie down now, and, and we, can, we can talk about it slightly more. But what I would say <laughs> is if there is this one line, Elif, which I love, um, where Kierkegaard says that the goal is to arrive at immediacy, after reflection. Hmm. Immediacy after reflection. That's beautiful. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you and I probably, at least I'll speak for myself and you can chime in if you feel like it, but I, I have bitten, in, in, the, in the Bible it's a little too, too literal, it says the apple, but I've bitten the fruit, there's no doubt. Right. So... Uh, purity is not a given to me at any moment, but now in in this state of of in this post lapsarian state, what what can I do to to claim a territory where I feel 
I feel so moved. I mean, I, I, I think of, you know, Ben Lerner's extraordinary book, in my view, Leaving the Toucher Station. And I think, I think to myself um, of that moment when in the Prado Museum he sees someone who just begins crying because they see a painting. And the guards are very worried, you know, what's happening to this person. And obviously what's happening to this person, it would seem, is that this person is touched so touched, so deeply touched by the tears that the painting produces. And of course, there's, there's some irony, perhaps, in, in the way ben, ben talks about it. But still, I mean, this is what, what we hope for. We hope to, if not cry, to somehow be moved so, so deeply that it, it sort of changes the way we, we feel when we, when we leave the painting or leave the work of art or leave the piece of music. And I, and I somehow, I, I really, like yourself, I really feel that and I'm, I really want my money back. <laughs> yeah. I, as a crier, I've, um, I, I would say that there's a line between the two, between crying at the moment and being changed. But I, I do definitely see what you mean and and agree that there's some prelapsarian state that it would be great to get back. Well let's let's hope that somehow we 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 find something that, that moves us so. Maybe we'll just, you know, get a stroke and it'll just happen. Perhaps. Elif, it's it's a real, real pleasure to speak to you, and I can't wait to see you again. and And I'm glad to to um, to have. Uh, I don't know if if it's uh, what have I done to your phone? Baptized it? Probably, <laughs> probably not Rated that. It. Yes, something, something. speech. Yeah, something. It's 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 no longer a virgin phone. It's it's a new kind of phone, and and I hope I hope you use it, but only when you want to. <laughs> okay, thank you. I and, can't think of any more auspicious way to, to begin the career of this next stage in my life. Well, th- thank you. Thank you. And, and see you soon. And, and, uh, I can't, I can't wait for, for, for the idiot. You know, one of, one of the books I, 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 I love of, of criticism, not all of it. Um, and I can't claim to have read all of it either, might I, might I add. But Sartre wrote a book on Flaubert, which is three volumes long, as you probably know, called L'idiot de famille, the idiot of the family. <laughs> and, and you know, do you know where the title comes from? Well, Flaubert was called by his father, who was a medical doctor in Rouen, in, in, in the north um, east of France, northwest of France. He was called the idiot of the family, oh, Flaubert wow. Gustave was, because he had trouble reading. Oh, wow. Well, so, that's Charles Bovary right there. Yeah, so he read... So he, his big problem in reading Baudelaire, uh, Flaubert's was that he read every word but couldn't make it into a sentence. Mm. Hmm. It's like a Borges character. Yeah, truly, huh? <laughs> Listen, all the best to you. Okay. Take good care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.